This week's episode is a recording from a guest appearance that I made on the Note Closers show with Scott Carson. And we look into how people can build their personal brand in the real estate investing business. And I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. My name is Paul Kopkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are, because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Now, back to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Note Closer Show. As always, Scott Carson to be here with you today. And I'm really jacked up to have a guy who is kicking ass and taking names. He absolutely has a passion for helping other real estate investors, you know, get their word out and market themselves. He's the host of the REI Breeding Podcast. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Paul Copat, joined us here today. What's going on, Paul? How are you doing today? Hey, Scott. Good, thank you. How are you? I'm great, man. A little warmer here where we're at than where you're at, as we talked about earlier, but hey, good yeah, stuff. It was, two, it was two degrees this morning, so it was, it was cold. It was fresh. It was cold. cold. Well, it's two degrees, whether it's Fahrenheit or Celsius, it's damn cold either way, right? <laughs> exactly. So, Paul, you work, I mean, I, I love your podcast. And share, so why don't you share with our, our listeners out there, because you've got a, a variety of real estate investors and people looking to get into real estate. Talk a little bit about your podcast, but let's also talk a bit about your minds and kind of what you focus on working with other, other peeps. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, yeah, so the REI Branded Podcast is for real estate investors or other professionals associated with real estate investing and helping them get noticed because I find a lot of people are kind of invisible. So first of all, get them noticed and then hopefully get them involved in business, either hired or... Uh, they find investors. There's a lot of real estate investors running around trying to find you know, private money and then obviously get referrals and build their reputation. So that's the intention. So I have guests on there that you know, people like yourself that have built a personal brand and really kind of niche and, and focus in on a particular area and help people understand that if you try to be something to everybody, then you're nothing to anyone. So, so that's the Love intention. That. That's the intention of the, of the podcast. And then what I do in my coaching, consulting business is help those people do exactly that. Understand what it is that makes them unique and then how do they stand out? Because there's a lot of people running around all saying they do the same thing. So what makes you different? What makes you special? So what we're trying to do is just get that essence. And then how do we get that message out there on a consistent basis? That's one of them. I, I love what you said there, because that's one of the most frustrating things, because we deal with a lot of people, investors, you know, pe people that want to be investors, they're working a regular career or a job something that they're into that's different than real estate and them coming into the investor side of things, they have the hardest time of understanding that they have to share what the heck they're doing, you know, get the word out and market and brand themselves. You know, that's, it drives me bonkers. I'm sure it drives you like crazy when you're talking. Yeah. It, and I think, that, you know, some of that comes from, you know, a lot of people who are in real estate investing, well, initially they're probably doing it on the side. They've got a corporate, they've got a corporate job going on because that's where the money first comes to help them get those first one, two, three properties. And then, you know, they may 
They may have promoted themselves in a corporate job, but the chances are most people don't because I, I used to do a lot of work in the career space and I didn't find people shouted about their successes or their strengths enough. Um, and then you're transferring them into an entrepreneurial place where you've got to do that. I mean, that's, there's just no ifs, buts, or maybes. It's you either do it or you disappear. I mean, and that's the thing. What do you see in today's crazy world of Facebook TikTok and Twitter and Instagram, I'm sure I get this question a lot, but especially for real estate investors, what do you see as being the biggest bang for the buck or the places that they need to spend the most amount of time on maybe starting and things maybe they're not utilizing right now? Well, I think those that, and again, it goes back to that corporate background. I mean, you, the chances are they've already got a LinkedIn profile. So yeah, why not start there? I, I think the other danger I see with social media is, well, the two things. One, one is people think social media is the be all and end all and no it isn't you know i started off in classified newspaper advertising that was my second job out of uh, school and uh, social media is just the the modern day version of classified advertising right. to a degree and we're seeing that obviously with facebook and instagram now it is almost a pay-to-play environment if you want to get noticed so you know linkedin you still got that free availability you don't have to pay in fact you LinkedIn advertising is horrendously expensive and it's not the way to go. And if you spend time authentically building relationships on LinkedIn and you've got something in common with people, because the chances are, you know, you're reaching out to people who have spare money that you're looking for them to invest. Maybe it's coming from their pensions or something like that, or they've got additional you know, funds and they're their corporate background. So why not reach out to them and say, Hey, I've. Actually, there's a client I'm working with right at the moment, and, and she's a real estate investor. She used to work in the oil and gas industry. So I said, well, there's your target market. Just hit right. anybody in the oil and gas industry. So we went on LinkedIn. I said, okay, what was the company you used to work for? Okay. So we just hit the company she used to work for, 1,700 people within her province in Canada. I said, there you are. there's 1,700 leads. Okay, next. <laughs> School. Right. University. Okay, which university did you go to? Which years were you there? Okay, here's seven and a half thousand people that went in those same four years as you, and they're still in Canada. Okay, there's your next leads. That 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 will keep you busy for the next twenty seven years. Right, and that's the thing is, there's so many people out there, and I think it's taking those steps just to look. I mean, people, and it's I guess we. Many people get overwhelmed and we all know a confused mind is a mind that says, no, we're tick doesn't take any action. And that's what I do love on LinkedIn. It's one of our favorite spots, but it is the easiest place. Like you said, go find somebody you went to school with, go find people that you're saying type of work or work for the company as well that have, you know, pensions. If you're making good money, there's other people there. If you're looking for outside income or other outside investments or outside help with your retirement, I guarantee other people else are doing it, right? Yeah, and, and we looked at company one and we drilled that down and said, well, okay, who are the people most likely to have disposable income to invest? Well, probably VP and above. So you just go by, you know, that's the beauty of LinkedIn. You can't do this on Facebook or Instagram yep. or TikTok or anything else. But with LinkedIn, you can go right down to VP, title, company, school, and most of it's free to do that kind of searching. That's the other thing. It's, it doesn't cost you money to do this. So what, so do you, what's the next step for most people? Should they just reach out with one of those annoying long ass emails? Like, Hey, let's sign up for my step or let's do this. What do you have a, you know, three step or a, a approach to building those genuine relationships online? 
Yeah. So, uh, so the first message is I can guarantee you 20%. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so the first thing I always recommend is reach out and connect in, in a gen genuine way. Usually I find a lot of real estate investors want to stay local, at least initially. So when they're trying to build that portfolio from those three to five houses to maybe 10 or more, they're, they're trying to stay local. So put yourself out there as the expert locally. So talk about in that invite message, you know, put, I always recommend putting something that's personal in the PS, which is, Hey, by the way, always love to hear about great new places in X city. Let me know if you know of any new restaurants or do you know any new stores or whatever it is. Once they're connected, step two is to send a thank you message. Do not pitch, do not send anything, do not attach anything. Just send a thank you message back and say, hey, my favorite place is this. You know, let's looking forward to staying in touch. A couple of weeks later, then go into a, you know, would something like this be of interest? If not, no worries. And, and not, again, nothing attached, no links, nothing like that. Just very casual and just slowly drip away because I think the, and the old adage in sales used to be you have to touch somebody seven times to, to get a sale. And you know, LinkedIn messaging, why should it be any different? Right. Yeah, I think what is it was says, what's 80% of sales happens after the fifth contact of some sort or the fifth. How important is, besides that connection, which is then looking at seeing what those folks are posting or sharing or liking or commenting on it. And those, and now I found, I think I found something. I read an article the other day. Somebody told me that only 3% of LinkedIn users post on a regular basis, post on a daily basis for the most part. And I was blown away by that. It's crazy how little that I've taken a bank of. Yeah, I think it's probably the opposite in terms of Facebook. <laughs> well, well, you're not seeing it though, because right. you know, Uncle, right. uh, Uncle Mark is uh, hiding from everybody. Right, exactly. Yeah, so not just, don't just do the like, you know, spend the time and, and add an extra comment. And, and don't just, oh, yay, great for you or something like that. Just make it meaningful. Make it like you really are caring that they've said something or they've posted something. But don't just do it for the sake of, again, it's going to look false. It's going to look inauthentic. It's, it's not going to look genuine. So I, I would say, yes, that's one. Posting. I normally say to people, you know, I think people get overwhelmed if you say post daily. Right. Because the chances are they've never posted anything in their life prior to getting on there. Or they've been on there for five years and never posted anything. Right. So I, I normally say two to three times a week, but again, it could be a combo of something personal, something business related, could be a sharing some useful resource, uh, pointing people somewhere else. You don't always get the traction on LinkedIn. I think pretty much every social media network now kind of clamps you down if you're putting external yeah. links. And then obviously you know, things like video are a great way to, to make connection. And you know, LinkedIn was late to the party with that, but. Um, but again, if you're, as you're saying, 3%, you got a pretty good chance your video is going to get at least C. So we're just going to take a quick break from the show. Are you tired of the hassle of managing your own short-term vacation rental property? Look no further than Travelux, your full-service, hands-off vacation rental management solution. At Travelux, we take care of everything, so you can sit back, relax, and watch your investment thrive. Our team of experts handles everything from guest communications, listing optimization, to cleaning, maintenance, and more, ensuring your property is always in top-notch condition and attracting new bookings. 
Travelux has made owning our vacation rental a stress-free experience, especially since we live out of country and only visit the property a few times each year. Join our satisfied homeowners and investors who trust Travelux to maximize their rental income and provide them peace of mind. Travelux currently operates in numerous cities throughout Ontario, Alberta, Nova Scotia, and British Columbia, managing over 55 premium and luxury properties. Get started today with a free potential revenue report to see how your property may perform as a vacation rental. To claim this free offer, visit travelux.ca. That's T-R-A-V-E-L-L-U-X-E dot C-A. Or call 289-273-3822. Travelux, your partner in stress-free vacation rental management. And now, back to the episode. Yeah, that's the thing is, I think that, that was the number one thing, I think, with COVID. Uh, you know, I think we all knew that we always bought stock in Zoom back two years ago. But with LinkedIn not really opening up the live aspect of things and being very tight gripped on, I know they're in the beta aspect of it, but I really think they missed out on a lot of people utilizing means because we all have they suffered from screen exhaustion. You know what I mean? I think I think there's probably been more prescription glasses or uh, eyeglass prescriptions written in the last two years than before. But, you know, that's the thing is most people, you know, the, the video, I'm a big believer and I think that there's the stats to back it up that video is really the way that you've got to really share your message, people to understand who you are and help build rapport. If you can't meet in person, you've got to do something so they see if they identify it. As I always say, I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I'm fine not being everybody's cup of tea. But those that I am I do really well with, you know what I mean? Right. And, and it, the other one I've, it's still getting good traction is polls and that's getting a lot of likes, a lot of views. Now people have to understand that somebody scrolling past your post counts as a view. So don't get excited that's right. when your numbers jump up. But if you can get the interaction, I mean, you know, the nice thing with poll is we've all got an opinion. So people like to jump in and, and give their two cents worth. So uh, that's why I think polls get good traction. Well, and it's the thing I think you have to stay. Polls do really good. And I think it's a great way to keep maybe some of the extremists, the leftists or the rightists, the people that are like to shake it up a little bit. God knows we've got enough negative people out there, but great polls, like you said, is a great way to kind of see what people's opinions are and people to interact a little bit more than identifying who voted what or said what as in that kind of, I don't even know another way to filter through your connections, but another way to identify opportunities. Right. Right. And I'm not sure about, I mean, they've just opened up to everybody, I think. Well, at least it seems so, because I keep getting them in my inboxes. Sign up for my newsletter yeah. via, via LinkedIn. I'm not sure about those. I haven't tried it and I haven't signed up for any. I, I don't need another newsletter. So, <laughs> Yeah, don't we all need another newsletter we don't read and go for it? But, but, you know, as they say, email is still a very powerful tool to mark. What are you talking or what are you teaching or kind of helping your clients? How much time should they spend on there? How much should they, you know, send out? What's the length should be? And we all know that I think the power of the shorter email is really gaining traction versus the long sales letters, right? Yeah. And I was hearing now, I can't remember the resource, but apparently you have a link, a live link in the first third of the email. It gets picked up by Google and puts in spam much more regularly. So you, you don't want to have anything, a live web link initially in that email. Somewhere down the bottom, yeah. Keep it simple, one call to action. Always have a call to action, even if it's, you, know, you see it from people like Chris Brogan's an example. He always says in his Sunday email, you know, I'm drinking a cup of, you know, whatever, some 
crazy tea that he's drinking. You know, and he always asks the question, yeah, what are you drinking? Let me know. And it's, that's a call to action. If, what you're trying to do is engage. You're just trying to get people to be used to taking action so that when you send something that's more business related and you want them to do something in terms of invest with you or whatever it is, or inquire about something, then they're much more likely to do it because they're used to, they've built that trust with you that when you ask them to do something, you respond. Well, that's the thing. It's just, I think Gary Vee said it right, the jab, jab, right hook aspect of things. So give, you know, what are you drinking? You know, I want to hear from you. What's your favorite poison? You know, what's going on? What you doing for the holidays? You know, that's, people forget. I think, you know, one of the things we were always like, look, you got to communicate with your audience some sort of fashion, at least on a weekly basis. I, I think the daily emails get obviously spammed out or go into the junk mail. But once a week, just to touch base, you know, we've been doing uh, Note Night in America webinars almost every Monday night for like 11 years. And it's such a great way just to touch base with the audience, but it's all an email. I know I got to send out one or two emails the, the, the day before or the week before to be, get people on it. It's just a little, Hey, here's what we're talking about tonight. One call to action that repetitive has built trust over the years. Right. And it's funny because you think, I think some people are reluctant to put the, the personal touch in there and I'll, I'll give you a, a great example is so this weekend we had the chance to go up and just close up the cottage for the year. So this is the last visit. Of course, Canadian weather as it is, you you never predict what's going to happen. So what do we get? We get hail on the Saturday and snow on the Sunday. So there you go. Winter's here, but no internet as well. Like internet was cut for forty eight hours. So what happened was that I normally get my Sunday note out to people, and I couldn't couldn't get it out there. So I sent the note on Monday saying, Hey, you know, the, you know, life happens. This is, and the response was incredible that people would come back and say, Hey, yeah, gosh, yeah. I wish I could do with, without internet for 48 hours. I'd be so happy, but, but at least it got, and I didn't really have, I had nothing to say business wise or anything. I just said, you know, still trying to be consistent and still trying to say I'm, I'm out there every week. This is the reason I was 24 hours late and, and it got a, you know, better if you know, response than you send a normal email. So yeah, I think the best analogy I heard when you're looking at your activity on LinkedIn or wherever it's going to be and your email list is always, my, Michael Hyatt said it, if you view your website as your home country and no. treat all the social media networks as your embassies. So it yep. gives people a flavor for your country, but what you want them to do is come visit. Get into, obviously, and get into the website and then get them on an email list. And the email is still by far the, the bang for your buck in terms of money, resources, time, still the best value. Yeah. And also, in all you know, the different social media things, people always ask me, why are you doing this? I'm like, no, because my audience isn't there. You know, there might be some there, but I, I only, we only have so many times in the day, so many hours in the day. We've got to focus on where our audience is at for the most part. Email being that one spot and then LinkedIn is a, is a number one. And then of course, we really love the podcast. Podcasts in the last two years, it becomes such a big thing out there. Did you get any people emailing you like Sunday nights? Hey, where are you? Are you okay? <laughs> kind of like when you miss an episode, release an episode. Are you okay? Did you die? Did something happen? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, I didn't. Oh, that's, that says something. Yes. <laughs> well, maybe they're getting around to it on Monday. Wait, break. Give me a 24 hour thing on that there for you. You know, when we, we talked a little about the branding and the consistency, of marketing on a, on a regular basis. And, and I, you know, many people, like we said, don't know how to kind of brand their stuff. You know, one of the things I always like to say, like, look, if you're doing something once a week, 
make it a systematic kind of marketing approach to things. You know, like we can always send an email out like right now, you've got the holidays coming up, you know, happy Thanksgiving, happy Merry Christmas, happy New Year's, you know, then Valentine's Day, February. That's a good kind of at least once a month, you know, promotional. How, what do you kind of recommend for folks to fill in the rest? Well, you can get those calendars. It amazes me. There's a national day for everything. <laughs> national Margarita Day. You know, like national hot dog day, you know, so, so again, that can be a little bit different. I mean, if you've got a little bit, you know, if humor is part of your brand, then that's a great way to, to pick a different kind of message each time. You know, you could pick other things, you know, case studies, testimonials, and it doesn't have to be, again, it's not in their face, but it's showing people that you're competent, you've got skills, you're good at what you do, you deliver on what you say you're going to do. Um, so I, I think. Collecting, I, I think the other thing would be to collect, you know, sometimes I'll see something and I think, well, that might be a blog post. So, you know, quickly pull out the phone, snap a picture. Yeah, maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. Yeah, the cottage was another good example. So we had some trees come down, cut them all up, put them all up in a nice pile of logs. It was very meditative. So I took, snapped a picture and I thought, well, you know, you need to have thinking time in your business. Right. Take a, take a moment. So go stack some logs, you know, <laughs> and, and people liked it. You know, they, it, again, you're relating everyday stories and relate it back to what you do or real estate investing or whatever it is you do. Yeah, and I think that's such a great counsel there. It's share the personal, share what you're going through in a lot of things. I think that's the problem with Facebook and Instagram. Things. Everything's supposed to be so rosy and it doesn't. It's kind of like that whole matrix complex, you know, where... In, in the movie, The Matrix, they talk about this is like the eighth version of The Matrix. Why did the others fail? Because it was so perfect. Nobody believed it, right. you know? And that's the same thing when it comes to marketing. You got to share the good, the bad, or, hey, I'm having an off day, or something simple versus just buy my stuff or sign up for my stuff. Just something to, to laugh at yourself sometimes is the easiest thing. Or poking fun at yourself, too, gives people a little bit of chance. To oh, he made fun of himself. Okay, so we can make fun of him. And they're okay with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in terms of your brand, I think that people, you're right, people do struggle with kind of getting clear about what their brand is about or what do they stand for. And your values is a good way to, you know, great foundation exercise to do in terms of your brand. Passions is the other. I always ask the question of people, okay, you win, you know, the max lotto ball or whatever it is tomorrow. What are you going to do? And so it's amazing how many people haven't really thought about that. I said, no, that's all taken care of. Oh, well, I go do this. Yeah, but what about the next week or the next month? What would you do then? And then you can start to really dig into people's true passions. Oh, well, that means I could do that. Okay, so why don't you share your passion for X as part of your brand messaging? Because there'll be other people out there that find that interesting. Or, exactly. Yeah. And another connection point versus just if you work with them or if you're age group or school stuff, like that's that personal relationships that really builds the the fibers for strong relationships in a lot of cases, you know, you know, you've been doing uh, the branding aspect of I me mean, in personal brand for what, 18 plus years, almost 20 years now, if not, what would you say is the biggest mistake you've ever seen somebody make a couple people make when it comes to branding? I think the Elon Musk smoking weed on Joe Rogan, if you look at the, just the dollar value of Tesla dropping today for him, that's his personality. Who gives a shit? It's part of his brand. So I guess probably two, two things. One is, the things that you're so naturally good at, you underestimate. Something that, that I use uh, with the clients is we use a, 
There's a personal brand assessment. It's a 360. So it's not like a corporate 360, though. It's an opportunity for people to go and get feedback from other people as to their perception of your brand. What words would they use to describe you? What skills do they think you have? And the other question, one of the other questions is, what's your greatest strength and why? And when I run through the results with clients, nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100, I say, well, people see this as your number one strength. And the reaction is, oh, yeah, but I do that all the time. Yeah, but you don't communicate it because people know it and they really value it, but you're not putting it out there to other people that might be interested in that kind of strength. And so that people underestimate that the value of what they already do. You know, they're always trying to improve that weakness. And mm -hmm. I think it was Marcus Buckingham, uh, the strengths finder guy said, you'll never make a, uh, a weakness. You'll only get a weakness to a point of mediocrity. You'll never make it a strength. Mm -hmm. So why put all that energy into that when you could find other ways to get this dealt with, or you could at least minimize it or minimize the impact on your brand, but strength, if you double down on your strengths, then you've got it made. So I think that's one. The other is probably everybody trying to be everything to everyone. And it's just dilutes things. It really does. People get confused. You're right. You know, they're kind of, well, is he this or is he that? Or is she, does she do that? Does she, I can't. Oh, well, that's it brain, switch off, go somewhere else, find somebody else that has a clearer message. You know, and that's a common thing in real estate with real estate investors is they're trying to be a jack of all trades. I do this and this, or we've all gotten those business cards at meetings where they flip it over and they got 12 different things they do. And I'm like, this means you're not good at any one of these. You know, I can't think of that. You need to know one thing and focus on one thing and master that before you add a second kind of focus, right? Could you think of the people you refer? And somebody says, do you know somebody that does this? Yeah, I know somebody does that because he, that's all he does. Or she does this and this, but she's really good at that. Mm -hmm. So, so if, you, if that's how you refer people, then are people doing the same for you? Right. That's uh, such a huge thing. Going back to the first point, man, about, you know, focusing on your strengths and, and trying to either delegate it. What are some of the best ways you're helping your clients delegate duties or marketing that they may not be good at? tips for doing that so the uh, so i'll just put this out there first so the personal brand strategist doesn't always follow his best advice <laughs> <laughs> and i did not for years I'd, uh -huh. I'd, you know, I'd counsel my clients on you know get help hire a va whatever else but did i do it myself nope i'll be honest no that one thing completely changed my business 12 15 18 months ago I mean, it was funny because it was timed around COVID and you think, oh, well, maybe you've got more time to do stuff. But I actually, I had a, a team of you know, part-time VAs, but then my VA company came to me and said, you should take a full-time VA. I said, well, I, I can't fill eight hours. And they said, well, how many hours are you working yourself right now? It was a great coaching question that I said, well, you know, 10, 12. Okay, so half that. And, you know, everything that you do at least three times the same, you should not be doing, unless you're, that is your unique skill that brings in revenue or whatever. Right. And so I did that and, oh, what a, what a difference. And completely, not just change the business, but I mean, just change the way I operate, change the way I look forward to, you know, doing things outside of work because now I can, I think, well, okay, I can take an hour there or I can take the afternoon off or, and, you know, before you'd be thinking, oh, I'm not quite sure. And then you, and and I think the advice on that as well is do it before you need it. Hire somebody as a VA 
and then figure out how you're going to fill their time, not sit there trying to figure out all the tasks and everything you're going to give them ahead of time. Um, because you'll never get there. You'll never get to that point because you're going to be, end up being busy doing it yourself all the time. And, and, um, don't second guess, you know, just because they're going to be three times slower than you can do it initially, let it go, let them do it. Don't lose sleep over it. it it's a little bit of a learning process, but I, I'd say that's the biggest difference. You know, I pretty much all my clients end up hiring a VA to, to, to some degree. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, I, I've always said, listen, if you want to make a hundred grand, hire somebody. It, because they will do all the stuff that's below your hourly income level or they'll do the things that you don't need to be doing that you're wasting your time. And delegating it, you know, starting off part time with somebody, 20 hours a week, you know, that's four to five hours a day. That's a lot of stuff that we tie down with contracts or valuations or due diligence in the real estate show somebody how to do it once record it via zoom or video right it's one of the most valuable you got to train them and they're not psychic you got to communicate with them i see some of the big names out there people i know they're like oh yeah doing all your stuff was like you can't do it all yourself you will burn out eventually or you're not you're losing it's a whole you're leaving a lot of money on the table take what you're making an annual basis a double like just clone somebody to do all the stuff that you don't want to yeah exactly you know what's the most what's the most interesting that you've outsourced if you can say it here, if you can't say it, we'd say it for another show. <laughs> What's the most interesting thing? You know, I think of that movie with the with the guy on source, the, the work guy, then the love guy, and then the homemaker guy. <laughs> I have had clients, I have had clients do that. So I've got one client and she outsources all her meals. So she has a chef turns up once a week. Cooks all the meals for the week, sticks them in the fridge, labeled, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. That's just not her. She doesn't like cooking. Right. It's not what she enjoys doing. So she figures that I'll outsource it. Why not? Why not? Especially if it's something you, do, you dislike doing. Somebody's probably going to make a better and healthier meal for you. And you spend a couple hours, he spends a couple hours cooking. It saves you an hour to two hours a night. That's exponential greatness. That's worth, especially if it's, Cheaper than takeout or at the same cost of takeout, at least on a meal by meal basis, it's healthier and better for you. That's awesome. What do you see with marketing and being such a chaotic thing and it's constantly changing, especially with, with so much going on and the upheaval of Facebook and people talking about getting off that platform or trying to find other things. What are you kind of doing to prepare for next year? So it's interesting you mentioned podcasts because I think I'm seeing podcasts as I've heard some great descriptions recently about podcasts. It's the fact that how personal it really is because you're right in the ears of somebody you're right there. It's almost like having a conversation with them or it's as close as you'll have to a conversation without actually meeting the person. And I think that has a lot of power and value for people. So I think you're going to see, you know, are there other things that are going to come along in audio? Possibly. But I think, you know, what I personally love about listening to podcasts is I could be doing something else. So uh, clunk, cloning the ears, baby. Outsourcing right. the ears. Exactly. Well, it's, you, it's interesting. You brought up the whole thing of other things talking about replacing, you know, podcasts, clubhouse, a great example clubhouse that everybody was all excited about it at first and thought it was really great, but then it's really taken off the deep end. I used to spend quite a bit of time on there. Don't spend any time on there at all. Cause I just didn't, it was a lot of the same people regurgitating the same thing. It wasn't the same thing as being able to put a class together or episodes together to really 
I guess you could say clone our brains, which is what a lot of us are doing with our podcast, sharing with our inner thoughts a lot of times. Yeah. I think the other big thing is we've all tried or a lot of us have tried to you know, control our own community, have our own community, all those kind of you know, trying to get people away from the big networks. And the biggest challenge is that's a habit. You know, it's a habit to go to Facebook 17 times a day, at least for some people. Or it's even, you know, it's even a habit with LinkedIn. You don't have to be there every day. No. You can, if you can be there three, four, five times a week, you'll get pretty proficient and noticed pretty quickly. So you know, why go through all the angst of trying to create your own community when most people will default to you know, one of the big ones? So I think you know, doubling down on that next year will be, and, you know, and then eventually you'll get people back to your website. Eventually you'll get people signing up and exchanging their email for something that you're giving them. So you'll get that connection eventually, but you know, use your resources and time wisely in terms of marketing yourself and, and getting out there. And as you rightly pointed out, yeah, Scott, you know, go hang out where everybody else is already hanging out. And you know, th those have already been created. And yeah, that may mean Facebook. You know, and then that takes a little bit of discipline to stop yourself going down a rabbit hole for half an hour because you suddenly saw a video and then a post and then something else. Yeah, that I, I was cracking up today at people literally. I mean, I get it. People like to follow, but the whole... People playing video games and then everybody just watching play video games hours and hours on end. I don't know. I, it's a, I think maybe it's a different generation in things here, but for the most part, my, I guess you have no time. You, you're too busy fo following. How are you getting anything done being productive? And I, well, I don't think you see productive people doing it, obviously, first and foremost. Part. Yeah, I can't understand. I mean, like my, my youngest, they're 18. You know, they will sit and watch somebody else playing a video game. Well, I, I guess, you know what, if you think about sport, I mean, that's kind of what we do. I, no, I didn't get it. If somebody's got like a soccer match on or they're playing a football right. game, that, but like driving a farm or a tractor, you, the, you know, it was the thing that showed up in the Facebook feed earlier today. Somebody's driving a tractor. I'm, they got like 2,000 people like, I'm doing something wrong. Watching Scott type an email, watching Scott record a video, you know? Well, I guess... I guess it has been done, has it? I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk, you mentioned Gary. I mean, yeah, he has two videographers following him all the time. You know, just basically filming what he does. I mean, now it's probably not what everybody wants to watch, but he, I mean, right. he was early in that. Yeah, he was very early on that, but they, he was always giving good steps. I'm a, I make the joke that I had to turn, for me to be successful, I'd have stopped watching Gary Vee. Because I would spend an hour every morning watching the Gary Vee show. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm wasting my morning when I just, He's saying the same 12 things every time yep. in just a different way for the most part. He's the first one that will tell you that. Turn me off if you want to go be successful. So, true. You know, talk about your client. What's your, who's kind of your, your main clients for you, Paul? Are they somebody who's brand new what they're doing? They've been doing what they've been doing as an entrepreneur for a little while, got their hustle on. What's kind of your ideal client that you work with? Yeah, typically the clients I work with are, they've been in real estate investing for a while. They may still be working full-time, but they're thinking about getting out of the nine to five and how they're going to do that and let real estate investing do that for them. And they may have reached the limit in terms of, you know, a lenders, the banks won't lend above, you know, certain banks here in Canada, five houses, seven houses, right. if you're lucky, then you're maxed out. So then it's into the private money 
B lenders. So they then realize that they perhaps need, you know, a message or something to present that says, this is who I am. This is what I've been able to do. So that's typically, so the real estate investors, they, you know, professionals outside of that realtors, but they tend to be still real estate investors as well. People that are, need some work around clarity around the message. How do they differentiate themselves? And then, you know, some have gone a little bit beyond that. So one, actually one or two of my clients now do coaching of other real estate investors. So it it typically happens is they build a reputation, a visibility, and then somebody says, well, could you teach me what you're doing? And they think, oh, well, what's a coaching program? How do I pull a coaching program together? So we help them with that. So I I have a client I've been working with now for four years. And when we initially started, all they had was, they didn't even have a business card. Interestingly, though, they had a podcast and they had quite a good podcast and quite successful, but it wasn't consistent. So I said, okay, first things first, we need to be consistent with this. Then we can work on website. And so they didn't have a website. So everything now, so, and originally they were full-time employed and last year they, they quit the nine to five. We replaced all their corporate income with additional passive income, well, not passive income, but additional income beyond the real estate portfolio. So coaching, sponsorship, all those kind of things. So helping people build, you know, build a, you know, build a business, a real business, real estate business, real estate investing business versus, yeah, I've got two or three houses. And for some people, two, three, four, five houses, that's enough. That's all they want. That's probably not the person I'm going to help because they don't need that to go to that, that next level. Right. Well, that's the thing is, I agree that a lot of investors, when they get into, they've built a name and done good stuff. The coaching program often is the next step for them to exchange their time for their hour and their knowledge versus just answering questions all day. I think we all have dealt with ask holes and you have to monetize your time. So those that can pay for your time, it becomes much more valuable because those are people that end up ultimately having some sort of investment and that time is valued a lot more. Free has no value, as we all know, in a lot of cases, but the, you know, adding that aspect of things, that's what we did. We were buying it because I like, well, can you show me how to do it? I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Let's figure it out as we go and, and go from there. So it's, it's an actual progression of those that are always looking to take their, their business to the next level. And I think many entrepreneurs out there that they want to do that. They want to go what's next, get rock and rolling. Yep. What's the best way for our listeners, Paul, to reach out to to connect with you, to, to, to talk about working with you and see what's in that 360 degree uh, uh, breakdown or that evaluation that you mentioned earlier? Thank you. Uh, so reibranded.com uh, is the website or paulcopcut.com uh, and then connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I spend most of my time. Yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but if you message me, I might see it in a week. Uh, if if I happen to notice the red button up there, because I'm trying to avoid it. So. Not, not in a bad way, it's just not it's, my priority. So. Well, those two things have been bombarded with so many spams and bots and stuff like that. I agree. If I can message on LinkedIn, that's used. Unless it's a text to me, my phone. So yeah, it's the best place to connect with him on there. We'll have his LinkedIn profile URL in the uh, the, the call notes in the description. But Paul, this has been a, a pleasure, man, visiting with you and picking the brain and talking about marketing and real estate all in, in one spot. Two of my favorite passions. Right. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Scott. Great time. Really. Thank you. Well, was that brandtastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.